Hey guys, so this week on the show, I have my buddy Ben from Canada, who is the editor for Mr. Sunday Movies, as well as an amazing filmmaker and writer and actor and musician and YouTuber in his own right. And we really sat down and had our first face-to-face conversation we've ever had. And as such, it's really just two creative people kind of sharing their experiences with each other. I think if this were an interview, I would hope that I would have set the stage a little bit better and asked Ben more questions, but I really want this podcast to be more unfiltered, raw, personal, authentic conversations between creatives. And I think that's what this episode was. So I hope you enjoy it, and I sure did. This is the first podcast I've done where I'm looking at someone on video. Usually I just do an audio call. So I feel very vulnerable here. It's like (laughs) most people don't get to see me in these big ass headphones. (laughs) They're not that big. Mine are bigger. Yeah. Who do you you think has a bigger head? Mm, Probably I feel like I have a bigger head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yours has, you've got like more angular features. I think mine's mildly rounder maybe. I've got the whole like strong good chin. chin thing yeah. going. Thank you, I appreciate <laughs> it. I can't make a good judgment on your chin because the lighting is a little blurry. But yeah, I have uh, been attempting to grow facial hair for the past like three months, and this is what it has amounted to. <laughs> oh my this is god! About it. <laughs> I was looking at where you were, what, at what situation you were presenting me with, and then you said three months, and then I thought, oh no. Yeah, it's been. I've got a question for you. Do you do you consider yourself an attractive man? <sighs> No, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I am at least not unattractive, I think. I <laughs> I look like a normal person to some extent. Oh, I see. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's cool. But who wouldn't say mm. that, right? Like, I don't know. I guess, well, I, I learned um, uh, sort of as I was kind of getting to know myself because I went to drama school. Mm. And in drama school, a you pretty much find A good place to get yourself. to know yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is where you find yourself. And so I I learned that um, anyone is capable of being what other people consider, what the general public considers to be attractive. It's just about it's just about certain like aspects of your appearance, the way you present yourself. It's all it's a lot about clothes, it's a lot yep. about skincare, hair, um, posture is a big one as well. And yep. a lot of it has to do with like your inner game in your mind. So I feel like if you put your thought to it, you could turn into a Brad Pitt. Well, see. My my family mocks me because I like there's a clear difference between days that I'm talking to my girlfriend and days that I'm not in like what I'm wearing and all this like this shirt. I'm going to talk to my girlfriend later. I wouldn't have worn this shirt unless I knew I was talking to her. So like, do you you talk every day then? We do. Yeah. Hmm. But well, every now and then there's like one day where we don't and I'll wear like a T-shirt and jeans or something. And they're like, man, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. you really gave up today. And I'm like, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I, and there's also like a, like I, I go back. I mean, everybody does this, but like I go back and look at photos of me in like middle school and early high school. And even like not that long ago, like like only like four or five years ago. And I go like, what mm-hmm. was I thinking? Did I not own a hairbrush? Like what? Yep. You know, and now. At least I put thought into that. But it's like, that's like my biggest fear in life. Man, we're getting really deep at the beginning of the podcast. I love it. No, that's no, no, my no, biggest fear in all of life is like not being aware of myself. Uh, you know, ah. like, I think it's come from a from being on YouTube for so long because I've yeah. made all these videos since I was like 11 years old. And I, so I can mm-hmm. go back and watch them and be like, man, what an idiot I was, you know, sure, yeah. or, or wow, how cringe this is. Mm-hmm. 
but it's like created like this deep fear in me of like doing things that my future self will think was dumb. Like, <laughs> like, so what's the opposite of that? What's, yeah, I don't know. I, I live in fear like, of what, what, my what future would you self want to, me. do you want to like have him be proud of you or like, I think your... so. Yeah. Like it, it's like a, and the other thing is like, I have a, my idol is intelligence. Like I, that's the trait that I value the most in people, I think. Uh, or at least ah. like, like maybe even it's self-awareness. Like I value people who are really self-aware and people who are deep thinking. And when I see that <laughs> I wasn't that at one time, I go, oh no. Like my, my compass is way myself. off. Like, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That makes sense. That's probably why we vibe because I think we get along because we share that value because that's definitely, yeah. definitely a very strong thing for me. I think if, if the, the worst thing that a person can have is a lack of self-awareness and yes. it's, 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 it's the, it's the hallmark of a bad decision maker and someone that you don't really want to trust because if they're not yeah. sure of what they're capable of, good or bad, then I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can ever trust you with anything. Yeah. Well, and that's like, uh, I, I always say I think there are more people who are ignorant and also just unaware of themselves in the world mm -hmm. than there are who are like actively malicious and evil, you know, like yeah. there are malicious yeah. and evil people. But I think like most people are just they don't know any better or they're so mm -hmm. involved in their own psyche that they haven't stepped back and seen what they're like to other people, you know. And, and that's exactly what privilege is. That's yes, exactly, exactly where it comes from. Yeah. Psychologically. <laughs> Like n right. not, you know, not systemically, but psychologically, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It, and which, which is why it's more dangerous and why we're trying to, we're, why people are trying to stamp that out now. It's like recognize yeah. privilege is a thing. Self-awareness. That's what they're promoting. So mm. I'm all about that. And that, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's such a, and that's why I've always loved movies so much is that movies are, they're machines that generate empathy as Roger Ooh. Ebert once said. Like, you know, ah. they're, yeah, that <laughs> wasn't you came me. up with that. Uh, <laughs> couldn't have been me. Um, but I say that a lot. And so, you know, I, I've probably said it more than Roger Ebert did. He said it once. Yeah. I've said it like many <laughs> times. So really it's mine now, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, I, that's why I love film so much is that mm. I think movies at their best have made me more self-aware. You know, they've, they uh, have, yeah shown me what other people's lives are like and thus made me examine what my life is like in difference to that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think everybody has an internal sense of like lack of self-awareness in all cultures and among all people is seen as a, like a cringeworthy thing, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, half of the reason people love the office is because it's a bunch of characters who are so unself-aware about yeah. their own ridiculousness and, and yet, a lot of people also are not self-aware. Like, yeah, <laughs> who yeah, love that they show? Don't realize, you know. Yeah, it's it's the it's. Yeah, I I think. Hmm, let me think about this because this I like this point. Um, I like this topic rather. <laughs> I think. Um, I know this is going to be a totally different podcast than most of my guests. We're just going to go. Oh, yeah. Soulful, personal, deep. deep the whole oh, time. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why the heck not? Um, it's. You have to like balance this thing, this this thing between um, being self-aware, working to be self-aware, but also trying to recognize. That's why you know you try to recognize that you are not totally self-aware yet, and yeah, you have to know that within yourself, and that comes with self-awareness. So you really have to balance the I am the best and I am the worst at the same time 
in the healthiest versions of themselves, which is the hardest thing in the world to do. But that's, I think, where a lot of people falter when they, when they do become somewhat self-aware. They stop looking for it. Yes. Yeah. That's maybe, maybe where that comes from. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think um, <laughs> I love C.S. Lewis more than any other writer in the world. Oh, wow. I, I quote him all the time. And <laughs> one thing that C.S. Lewis said in, in the Screwtape Letters is, um, you know, the Screwtape Letters is, is demons talking about how best to tempt humans. It's satire. That's and the, the thing I love about the Screwtape Letters is that you can read it and enjoy it no matter whether you're religious or not. But mm-hmm. so they talk about how what God wants for humans is not for humans to think more of themselves or think less of themselves, but to think of themselves less in general, <laughs> you know, and yes. that what, it, what the demon's job is, is to get them to think more about themselves either, mm. you know, to get them to think less of themselves, which is right. still a, a, a factor of thinking more about yourself mm-hmm. or to think more of yourself, which is still also a factor of thinking more about sure, yourself. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was very convoluted wording no, to no, no, describe it's, it. But I, th- I think I, I, for me, it's like um, uh, the way I try to tackle it personally is a examination of myself and like, how can I make others better? What, what, what is it that I need to sort of focus on? Is it humility or is it self-worth? Because both can do better for the world. If, if you yeah. have a person who's super meek all the time, doesn't go after solving problems or doesn't like show the world how awesome they are, then it's, it's, it can be a waste. Whereas if you do it too much, if you need to pull back yeah. a lot of, like a lot of people, then, then you're taking attention away from things that are more important. Um, yeah. among other terrible things that come with egos, it's, it's a whole thing. That's kind of how I go about it. Um, yeah. which, yeah, which, which is why self-improvement's a big thing for me. I, I definitely think there have been like there, there are sort of uh, cornerstone moments of your life where you are very self-aware and you realize something about yourself and then that mm. influences everything to come where, yeah. yeah, like I think I, I've tried to get better at not thinking about myself in daily life, uh, just in general, even in terms of self-awareness. Like I find that lots of my sort of meditations on self-awareness to myself, it's like, you know, how do I come across to people and what is, you know, how selfish am I and how much ego do I have all this stuff it's just rattling around in my head to the point where it cripples me, you know, mm. and same thing with my art, right? Where I, when I make art, I'm so crippled by the self-awareness that it's like, what if this, what if I don't think this is good in six months, you know? Yeah. And usually I don't think it's good in six months. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I've tried to silence that and let it sort of be compartmentalized into like, there are specific times in my life where and specific moments, I think, where it's really important to be self-aware and it's important to uh, think about yourself, to meditate on your own. Yeah. On your personality and on your behavior. Wow. You know, I'm a Christian. And so when I pray, that's what I do. You know, oh, for a lot of it, that's I, I try to, you know, allow God to tell me what he thinks about me and allow, you know, him to help me see myself more clearly. But then in, in the rest of daily life, I've tried to get better and I'm still working on it at not thinking about myself at all, you know, uh, and just trying to think about what I'm doing and other people in my life, you know, and what I can do for them. Um, And and of course, all of that is a total work in progress. I think it's good. You know, that that was one thing uh, when I was studying at Labrie, which is where Mm -hmm. I was uh, studying when I was uh, supposed to hang out with you. Uh, (laughs) That's a long story for people who are listening and don't know us. But uh, (laughs) yeah, one of the things that I 
was so bowled over with when I was there was the fact that I just didn't have to think about myself at all. You know, mm. um, it was such a an environment where like I was studying and I was reading and taking in information and I was working and helping other people to accomplish things and cooking and cleaning and conversing with other people and listening to their stories and everything right. to where it would get to the end of the day. And I'd be like, I haven't even thought about like how I come across or like any of these things. You right. Know? Yeah. 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 Uh, was it a very a comfortable sense, environment you know? for you? Or it was really it, you was. Were just so caught yeah. Up? Yeah. Well, and it was, um, it was an environment that I felt like was really balanced and really, um, I was talking about this this morning, actually, it was very much not a shame culture. Uh, it was sort of mm. a, a come as you are environment. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <Good> and <shit. laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was also a place where I felt like everything was really, it was done in moderation and structure was helpful. Mm-hmm. So Every day at Labrie, you have uh, half of your day is study, and you can read what you want and write what you want and do whatever you want to do. And the other half is working, and so you you help clean the house and you help uh, make the meals and you do other uh, like yard work and stuff like that. So you basically lived in a commune, sort of, yeah, a, a cult, really. Uh, <laughs> we would often joke about our defenses against cult accusations. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I, it's funny because I, I. I grew up in, in church. That was like my background yeah. for sure. And so, which is another reason I think we get along is because we were from that sort of uh, <laughs> perspective as a child. Um, yeah. But for me, I found it just impossible to reconcile the, um, the my own conscience with the church pretty much as a whole, um, which was very frustrating. And, I, and I, I've, so I've unfortunately, you know, haven't been able to stay a part of it because of my own um, moral reasons and, and lack of wanting to affiliate, I think, which yeah. is, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge, but I'm curious how, how you go about reconciling that. Cause that's something I never figured mm. out how to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's totally understandable, like a hundred percent. And I've yeah. had those same kind of doubts. And, um, I think for me, it's about, for the most part, when I mm-hmm. see uh, negative manifestations of Christianity, oh, I like that phrase. My mind a says, lot. "Yeah, my mind says that's not what Christianity is. That's that's it's been twisted. You know, that's not mm-hmm. Christianity in its purest form." Mm. And so, when I see churches acting in ways that I don't approve of, there have been periods in my life when I've thought, "I don't even want to call myself a Christian because so many." people who do crappy things call themselves Christians too. I don't want to be affiliated with that <laughs> Christians guy. Christians <laughs> pretty much unanimously elected Trump. Yeah. It's like, it's like Mr. Incredible yelling at buddy in the car. It's like, yes. you're not affiliated with me. <laughs> Love that line. Right. Yeah. But so that was my attitude, <laughs> I, I've seen, there have been periods in my life when I've thought, I, I don't want to call myself a Christian because mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I follow Jesus and yeah. I want to come up with a different term for that. You know, I want to say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not one of those guys. I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm, yeah, yeah, I yeah. really like the Bible or something like Christ that, follower know? or red letter Christian. I remember that. Too, Precisely. Too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I've ended up kind of doing is being like, I think if I relinquish the term Christian, then hmm. basically I've just allowed the, the bad people to take control of it. Right. Like I, oh. they own it now, you know? And so the reason that I still call myself a Christian, despite 
so many crappy people also calling themselves Christians is that yeah. I'm like, no, they can't have that. You know, that's not theirs. Ooh. It's mine. You know, I really respect that. That's a yeah. really good answer. Well, and it's the same thing with like, you know, I mean, I think it's the same thing with lots of labels, right? Where, yeah, uh, sure. you know, I, I would call myself a feminist. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I agree with everything every feminist does. You know, there mm-hmm. are a lot of feminists who are really, really extreme about things. And I like I don't always agree with everyone in that who would, you know, fall under that label. But I would still call Speaking myself Speaking of which, a I, 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 I just unfollowed <laughs> J.K. Rowling. Um, <laughs> yes. And I record, encourage I everyone too. to as well. Yeah. But, you know, no, it's the mean. same logic there where I'm kind of yeah. like, that's super, I, I don't that's want super to, cool. because if I don't call myself a feminist, then people who are already turned off by that term will continue to associate it only with the most extremes. That's right? fascinating. I like that a lot. That's that. I, 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 I yeah, man, you've really challenged me there. That, you, Where, maybe, whereas maybe if like if people see that I'm a reasonable person and I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I actually have nuanced beliefs and I call myself a feminist or same thing with and I call myself a Christian, a Christian then they yeah. can go, oh, wait, maybe they're not all like that, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus if I just leave the label to those people, then they are all like that, you know. That's that's dope, man. That's dope. I I, I respect the show. That I think so that's I think, just um, yeah. That's how I. That's my thought process. Yeah. But you know, I, I'd, I totally I'd have understand. to really think about it. My, my I think because I think my um my big problem I think was when I I tried to join a church at a certain point and then they kind of laid out the um the main the main core beliefs that every church member has to have yeah. and is signing on to and I just couldn't sign the piece of paper because I'm like mm-hmm. oh, there's just a couple things in here that I just I can't, if, if that's true, if what I'm signing as I believe this is true, the logical conclusion is that I also believe this and I cannot do that. Yeah. But I would, I would obviously much rather prefer to be in a position that you are. So it'd be so cool if I, if I mm. ended up there, who knows? Well done. Well done. You're a smart boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I've had similar, I mean, that's just a matter for me of, I've, I've had to look at different churches and see what different churches believe, you know, and be mm-hmm. like, can I sign yeah, yeah, yeah. this? You know, um, do you go to the same church that your parents do. I do now. Yeah. There mm-hmm. was a period where I didn't, but now I, I've started going to, they, my parents have become very progressive in the past Ooh. six years or so. Nice. Um, and so they actually switched churches to join a very progressive church. Uh-huh. And I was like, cool hey, church. I, like, I actually like this one. <laughs> yeah. And so it was cool. A church where you can walk in and someone says, how you doing? And you say, oh, I'm really hungover today. And they're like, oh, nice. And high five you. That's the kind of church exactly. I like. Well, see, that's yeah. the thing about um, Labrie, where I was at in England. Yeah. Was that I, I, for many months after being there, I was kind of like, what, what made this feel so different? Because when I was there, I felt like mm. I really feel like Jesus is like the, I've never felt Jesus's presence so palpable. Mm-hmm. Usually yeah. when people say that, I'm like, all right, like I get it's a metaphor or something. But when I was yeah. there, I was like, like, I can feel it. You know, this feels <laughs> like it feels I, like, you know, <laughs> that was so genuine. Yeah, no, I, I, I get yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like <laughs> the the kingdom and the values that Christians want to to exist. It felt like all those things were real. Uh, yeah. And they weren't just hypotheticals. Well, because I find that I find that when you have you have um, you, I don't know I I'm, I'm an actor, so we studied like human sort of energy. We sort of operate under this assumption that we all carry energy, yeah. and so 
I, I know that the goal of, of creating a community full of people who all believe these certain tenets and beliefs about God and our place in the universe, that, that it's all working towards spreading this energy of love if it's manifested properly. Mm, and yeah. so it, it makes total sense that if you're in a community that they are sticking pretty closely and, and with integrity to those kind of core belief systems, you're going to walk in and you're going to feel like there's yes. love in this room. There's love well, in and this see, house. Here's the thing. The thing that I realized later about that environment that made it so strong was the lack of shame sure. and was also the lack of it was it was really a, a, an environment where you could see the presence of these things just by the fruit of them. And people didn't have to say it. <laughs> Labrie is not an explicitly Christian organization. I mean, it's run by Christians, but right. it is uh, – you can come no matter who you are, and they that don't judge you for that. Them. And people who yeah. ask questions just come. And there were people there who were not Christians. There were mm-hmm. people there who were LGBT. There were people there who were uh, from all around the world, and it was yeah. awesome. And um, it it was a really cool environment because I think – if there's one defining trait about Jesus in the Bible, it's that he doesn't shame people. Mm. Can you can you define shame for the listeners? Because I think people will hear you, but not yeah, really understand think, exactly what you mean. Right. I, I think it's a matter of... So when I was in that environment, uh, there were certain preconceived things that you agreed to to be a part of when you would come. You're going to agree to work, and you will agree to ex- you know respect other people's opinions when they share them, uh, and you'll agree to help cook the meals and stuff like that. But... You could believe whatever you want and say whatever you want and dress however you want and all this kind of mm. stuff and not expect to receive any judgment for that uh, or any mm. – um, there were very few things that you had to conform to as far as your individual uh, mm-hmm. self. You know, I, I'm not a huge <laughs> – I'm a Christian, but I'm not a huge evangelizing person, not a huge right. like go out and tell everybody and knock on people's <laughs> doors and pass out Bibles, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> every now and then there's a time for that. But I, I, yeah. I think it has to be an organic thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And the amazing thing being at Labrie was that it was an environment where people really didn't talk about Jesus that much, but you yeah. could feel it still. And yeah. it was a matter of looking at the life that you had there and being like, this is an environment where people are just doing what Jesus wants people to do. And yeah. it feels so fulfilling. And it sure. feels like this is how life is supposed to be. And this is how earth is supposed to be. <laughs> and so, it was, you know, to use a simple term, it was like leading by example or um, yeah. rather than talking about these things, it was just living them out and, and having those things be the witness, having those things be the evangelism. Um, <laughs> so it was cool, you know, and that is so cool. that was i didn't expect us to talk religion so so quick from the get-go but it's good oh yeah yeah that was awesome man you were on fire there (laughs) (laughs) yeah what do you want to talk about do you want to talk about other things i'm good just i mean i think this is probably what we would have talked about if we had met in person uh (laughs) in london oh yeah but um oh yeah big time i probably wouldn't have gotten to more depth because i the the knowledge that i'm being recorded right now Mm, um, right exactly but yeah but I, i i like talking to you it's cool you, you, mm. you know what? I'll, I'll talk about you because I, 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 Ooh, you intri- you I love people me. talking about me. <laughs> you, you intrigue me because you are, um, you're, you seem to have, like, because you talked a bit about self awareness and you seem to have a lot of what I value in a person on YouTube. Um, mm. my, a lot of things that I struggle with, you know, because everyone has their own qualms with the platform and like how the community is. Um, one of my biggest things is like, 
people say things as if they are fighting for an idea. Like there's some sort of war of ideas going around. Mm, yeah. Um, a lot of people uh, seem to speak as if like, you know, what they say is right and which it may be. And we need to, uh, we need to annihilate the thought and we need to get rid of the opposing idea. Um, mm. but, but this isn't politics. These are just opinions mostly. <laughs> So yeah. it's kind of bizarre, like obviously problematic things should go, but the idea that, <laughs> the idea that like, particularly in the movie sector, the idea that this, there's something wrong with Zack Snyder fans, for example, like they need to right. go, that we don't want them here, really kind of frustrates me. But you seem to carry yourself in a way that I try to a lot of the time, which is, I'm speaking an idea, this is something I believe, and, and mm. but you sort of do it in that upper register that um, that conveys this knowledge that you don't know everything. <laughs> not not yeah. to say not sorry not saying not saying you no, sound no, no. stupid. It, I laugh because because I feel like that's something I struggle with. Uh, but <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but it, it feels well, good that you would say that. I think if you are aware of that, I think if you are asking ninety percent of the time, people who are like, "Oh, I think I struggle a lot with this," it's like if you are thinking about that then you're already 80% of the way there <laughs> because most <laughs> yeah. people are not thinking about improving themselves in those ways or, or yeah. t- being careful with their actions, how they treat people. And yeah. you know, that's, that's something. So I just want to commend you for that. I appreciate you being on this platform. Cause it's like, you're making it a better mm, place. Thanks. No problem. I appreciate you too. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think one of the things that I struggle with in that is, uh, being too defensive when I express mm. ideas. <laughs> I mean, even I, I've been really wanting to write a piece about Hamilton the past few days because um, yeah. I just rewatched the show on Disney mm. Plus and everything. I love it. It really has changed me in a lot of ways and moved me in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And I see a lot of criticism of it on the internet in the past mm. few days, some of which I think is somewhat reasonable. Other stuff I think is just people being hipsters. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I really want to write something about it and in many ways, I want to respond to criticisms, but I, it's very difficult to do that in a way that's not defensive. Um, yeah. And I think I have – that's something I've tried to do with my videos on my channel is just to express an idea innocently and be like, look, here's what I think. And not even yeah. really need to acknowledge the uh, – I mean I, I think there's value in being self-aware in your videos and saying here's the criticisms that some people have and here's why I disagree with them mm-hmm. um, rather than just ignoring them entirely. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't like videos that are entirely devoted to defending the thing rather than just innocently liking the thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. – I just watched your Batman v Superman video yeah, uh, right before this call. I loved it. It was terrific. And <laughs> one of the things that I would really commend you for is that you didn't even talk about the criticisms that much. You know, you just talked about why you liked it. And I find that so much more charming and so much more uh, just easy to watch and and less filled with anger, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been something where I've just had to kind of check my heart (laughs) the past few days has been like, why do I really want to write about Hamilton? You know, like, is Mm -hmm. it just because I'm angry that people are criticizing it and I love it so much? That's an interesting question, yeah. And I don't want to write out of anger, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I've written a lot of stuff in the past few days that I'm, I'm never going to post. And I just delete it because I'm like, this is just angry rants. I'm just wow. responding to criticisms. Well, I commend you for not making an angry video. It's very tempting to do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I, I think there's, there's value in venting. And I do that a lot where I just write out all my thoughts and then I delete yeah. them. 
but when you do it in a public forum, it can give people, you know, it, it can be harmful for people. Um, mm -hmm. And I ultimately want to be someone who is empathetic in my videos and who understands criticisms. Lots of the criticisms of Hamilton have come from people of color who say that it idolizes slave owners and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are That's reasons I, I somewhat disagree with that claim, but I totally understand why someone would say that. Mm -hmm. um, and if I were to just make an angry video and villainize those people, what am I doing? Like what, like, you know, yes. why yes. do I have a YouTube channel? What, what positive change am I creating in the world? Mm. I think we have a very similar opinion on what making content is all about. Yeah, is, yeah. It's cool because that's that's definitely my my wheelhouse, my feeling of drive as to why I do it. It's like I think um, it's not just positivity, you know, because I, I don't mm. I don't I don't like that word because it's um, it's like it can be false a lot of the time. It's very yeah. it's, it's kind of a false idea, but it's this it's a, more of an earnestness and a and a tolerance, I think, <laughs> and it's more based on the love that I have for film, you know? And I think yours is too. And it's, and I think that's yeah. why I asked myself that question the other day. Like, why is everyone getting mad about movies? Like why the ultimate you, do, internet question. Why is you, everyone so angry all the time? Yeah, You like, like, don't you, you're in, you're interested in this because you like it, right? You have a love for this, right? So what right. about, what about that has changed that has made you angry instead? And, and so I was, I guess I was asking myself that and I think it really is just a point of focus and it really is just, so it's more of, so it's more, so instead of a positivity, it's just a focus on the love that I have for something yeah. and a love for, I have for a craft, a storytelling thing, you know, like, and, and that's why I chose my words very carefully with the BS, BBS video. I said, it's pretty neat. It's a neat, interesting <laughs> movie. It's a very interesting yeah. movie because I love the craft and it is a film that it exists in that craft and it's something that I can talk about and speak to. And there's certain techniques and visual techniques and visual design that are, that are amazing in that movie. And it doesn't matter to me. I, I try to divorce my love for something from critique. You know, I, I, it's, it's something yes. I'm less interested in now, I mm. guess. Well, and ironically, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure you know full well, like, one of the things that has influenced me a lot on this, as as comedic as they are, has been the Weekly Planet and has been James and Mason <laughs> yeah. on their podcast. I've listened yep. to the Weekly Planet since it started in 2013. Wow. Oh, my God. And I still listen to it every freaking week. Yeah. And um, I was always so struck by their humility in how they approach things, mm -hmm. right? They're willing yep. to have fun and poke fun. But yeah. like, and even to say things are bad, but they're never like, I'm the authority and this is my opinion that you should all conform to, you know, yeah. and, and even I, I loved the notion. They always seem to have a really good balance between understanding the binary, the difference between liking a thing and the thing being good, mm -hmm. uh, where they rarely really make claims as far as quality. They're, they yeah. don't like they're like, look, the thing is probably good. I just didn't like it. Or they're like, yeah. look, the thing is probably bad, but I liked it anyway. You know? Yeah. 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 And I think it, it. Yeah. It comes from a fundamental place of humility. I'm very, very lucky to be working for them. I'm very lucky to be working for them because they are they are they make content that I'm proud of to be making. It's not, if I yeah, um, hang on, let me choose my words carefully here. I think if I <laughs> if I worked if I worked for a channel that was more attacking um, more aggressive, I would feel a bit like creatively unfulfilled, I think. 
um, because I would feel like I'm not making something that's adding to adding to the YouTube space, which I because I love the yeah. YouTube space because it's a creative force and so much of content now is reactionary. And um, I think the reason I it comes back to the the point of focus, focusing on the thing that you love about what it is you're doing <laughs> thing I yes. love about YouTube. I fell in love with YouTube because it was a it was a creative space that were things were created not mm. um destroyed i guess and so many yep. of these reactionary responses and things and new genres of video coming out is about destruction or dismantling um notions i guess of things yeah um, exactly which makes sense for really harmful shit mm-hmm. um yeah it's, it's a it's a careful balance and i but at least i know which part of the which part of that i am part of i know which part of that i belong yeah. to I know my yeah. lane. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your lane, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I really just don't appreciate content in general that that uh, that tries to tell me what to do uh, or tries to mm. tell me what to think, you know? Like, and I think you see that on all sides of the spectrum. Um, I, <laughs> without getting too, I don't know, um, I think there are some movies and pieces of media that are fundamentally harmful to the culture and that shouldn't be made. However, I also think there are a lot that some people just won't like and some people will say is offensive Mm -hmm. and that's fine and they're totally entitled to that opinion and sometimes I agree with them. But I think often it uh, segues into a, a landscape of like, well, I didn't like the thing, and so they, they should stop making the thing, right? Or yes, that, that yeah. thing shouldn't have been made, or you shouldn't be allowed to enjoy the thing, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or if you enjoy it, you are a bad person or... or you precisely, know, yeah. Intellectually deficient or something. Yeah, and I think it comes down to assuming intent and assuming uh, assuming the worst of the given viewer. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I tend to have a pretty optimistic view of humanity, usually. <laughs> though it's been difficult this year <laughs> i would i would i would word i would word your optimistic view of humanity as more like you see the potential of humanity to be great and yeah. you put faith in that you know yeah well and i think um i don't think art should be dictated by the dumbest people uh or by mm-hmm. asking what will the dumb people say right ah okay yeah i think that is what it comes down to with, with a lot of things, not all things. There are a lot of things that are legitimately offensive and should not be made. Yeah. But with some things, it's like, well, this thing, you know, we understand that that's not what the artist intended when they made this. We get that. But what if dumb people watch it and they think mm-hmm. it's different? You know, mm-hmm. it's like Fight Club, right? Where yeah. Fight Club is very clearly a film about how fight clubs are bad. <laughs> yeah, It's a film about toxic masculinity. And yet many people have interpreted it as pro that and as mm-hmm. like they started their own fight clubs when the film came out yeah. and all this kind of or stuff. Or saying it's irresponsible to even be satirical about it because exactly will take yeah. the wrong message from it. Yeah. And I think that's the media criti- criticism that I dislike the most is stuff that just tells me what to think and mm-hmm. tells everyone you can't enjoy this or this thing was irresponsible because what if dumb people think it's not what it is? You know, yeah. the, like I think there, there's a difference between art that is legitimately like all right in the text of the art Mm -hmm. it says this thing that is wrong you know Mm -hmm. versus in the text it 
it doesn't say this thing, but some people might think this thing because it didn't disclaim it, you know, and so therefore it shouldn't have been made or therefore, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe that's too specific, <laughs> but I think that I'm just using that to say, I think yeah. in a broader range of film criticism, I don't like reviews that tell me what to think or sure. that try to yeah. hold themselves as the authority of all of this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, that's that's true. I, I think um, that's that's a good way of saying it. I think I've moved away from critique um, a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think the, the big focus that I've decided to, that I've landed on with YouTube, which is why I started making my own solo content, my own original content for Mr. Sunday is, um, I realized that, Oh, I need to just move away from critique and th- look at content. What is good content? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. cri- content about film doesn't need to be critique. And I've learned a lot from critique videos, but it's not necessarily something I'm very interested in anymore now that I'm kind of in the industry now. Um, yeah. I'm always looking to learn, but I find that now I learn more just by looking at films <laughs> and mm-hmm. by literally just watching them and enjoying them. So um, one of my biggest inspirations, for example, is uh, Dunkey. Dunkey, one of the best best YouTubers yes. in the world for me. He's just yeah. the great, greatest because he, he really just makes content. I know that's like a word that a lot of people don't like, but I've started to mm-hmm. really enjoy it, uh, enjoy the term because good content is a really good thing. It's really cool. It's tasty. It feels nice to watch. It's got a rhythm to it. It's like, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I, I've just decided to put the focus, like don't be, try to be correct in what you're doing. Try to make good content. And good mm-hmm. content also needs to have all those things of like, you know, supporting your arguments if you're making an argument of some sort. Having yeah. funny jokes, not just having jokes. <laughs> and not, but, but also don't be mean, you know, like, like certain yeah. rules that like align to what good content is for me. And that's why I love your Harry Potter video because your Harry Potter video <laughs> to me is really good content because it's it's so varied. There's so much going on and and you're talking about the themes of the thing and also like mm. some you know things that you like and dislike about it. It's just all around content and you're not trying to be an authority about it. You're just like and that's something you established very upfront. Is like I was I'm I'm a fan. I grew up with this and so this is my perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> not not on my thing. <laughs> I agree. My thing is great. Um, yeah, I would ask like. I guess I wonder, uh, do you think there's any distinguishment between like the words art and the word content? Uh, Ooh. Um, like, would you define them differently? You know? Um, well, I mean, I think the medium of YouTube and online video and social media in particular is, is content. I, 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 would hesi- I would very hesitate strongly to call it art because I feel like art needs to have this sort of agreement between the audience mm-hmm. and the creator that like you're about to sit down and see this and this is something mm-hmm. I've created and it's something that's intended to make you think or entertain you in some way and and have some sort of message attached to it whereas content on YouTube there's less of that it's so immediate it's so right there in front of you and you can respond and comment while the thing is playing for you yes yeah and so i think that's almost where i draw the line is mm-hmm. you uh, art is this sort of agreement between the audience and the creator and content lacks the ability to have that agreement happen. Mm. That was a very heady maybe, idea I just said. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Uh, maybe art is, or maybe content is more, uh, you have more agency in content when you watch mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah. you ha- you've clicked on it of your own free will, mm-hmm. and you have the, the will to stop it and to comment on it and all these yeah. kinds of things. At any point. Yeah, I, I think that may be why I value like I really value content, but but I also value art and cinema so much, and right. and especially even movie theaters so much, mm-hmm. uh, is because I think it was, 
it's not another Roger Ebert quote. It's Siskel, I think, said. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think he said the difference between watching something on TV and watching it in a theater is that when you're, on, when you're watching something on your TV, mm-hmm. your head tilts slightly downward and you have a remote next to you. And so when you watch something on your TV, you, you tilt your head slightly downward, indicating that you have the control over the product that you are watching. You can turn wow. the TV off at any time. You can yeah. fast forward at any, t- at any time. Mm-hmm. Versus when you go to the movie theater, you tilt your head slightly upward in reverence uh, because <laughs> the the film itself, the artwork itself is out of your control. Yeah. There are other people in the theater with you. Mm-hmm. And so going to a movie theater is fundamentally an act of humility. It's an act of surrender. Fuck. You surrender to the the art form and you allow it to take you where it's going to take you. That and is heavenly. I love that. That's what I yeah. love about movie theaters yeah. is that like, you know, for all the bad experiences with with loud guests that I've had, mm-hmm. which have been less recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's something really valuable in going to a movie theater and letting the artwork be out of your control. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting back and this is going to happen to me rather than me <laughs> happening to it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I'd also want to add to my to my distinction between content and art is I think content else mm. relies on other things. Yes. Whereas a, f- a piece of art, like a film or a drawing, it, it's it's its own creation. It's, it was created from nothing. Mm. And you know, it, the whether or not it's a statement, it's like the content the content we make it relies on those films to exist and for them to have put hard work into it. I was so going to say that. Yeah. So you mean more in, in terms of like movie content where you're commentate commentator commentating yeah. commenting <laughs> Comment, yeah. on a p pe- another piece of media that is yeah yeah been for, so created. for that for yeah. that that but that's its own distinction i think um yeah I, it's it's hard to say i think i i would i would almost almost dare to say vine was a piece of art <laughs> because because it was this <laughs> no i would agree yeah it was this collaborative yeah, yeah. thing that everyone took part in we remember yes. it and tiktokers do yeah. not remember it but like it was well all, that's it was exactly it isn't thing. it that vine was you create it from scratch and tiktok yeah. is not that for the most part you know ah, I mean, it, tiktok is something yeah. where you are reappropriating dialogue and audio and trends mm-hmm. that other people have done and yeah. there's some beauty in that there's yeah. there's I think maybe there's beauty in that in the fact that when you have a pre-established formula, breaking mm-hmm. the formula becomes more noticeable and more creative. Uh, it's yeah. kind of like how Phineas and Ferb episodes, you know that Phineas is going to say, Ferb, I know what we're going to do today. Mm-hmm. And you know yeah. that Perry is going to go fight Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And by the end of the episode, they're going to have their invention swept away somehow. Mm-hmm. And because there's a structure in that show, you they have freedom to work within the structure the structure and to subvert the tropes of how it normally goes. And I think that's probably the beauty of TikTok. Maybe I can't believe I just said the phrase <laughs> of TikTok, yeah. but maybe that's the beauty of it is that it has pre-established norms and tropes and mm-hmm. concepts and trends that then people can buck those trends yeah. versus I think the beauty of Vine was that it is art in the sense that you're creating it from scratch and it's yeah. all in your own hands. You well, know? maybe, maybe then the real answer is that, that once again, <laughs> it is another spectrum of the universe that things mm. fall between. And some of those elements that we talked about, whether or not it's completely original or whether or not it's, you know, um, it's an agreement between the creator and the audience. 
maybe those are just aspects that lean it more towards one side. Yes. Because yeah. I know there are YouTube videos out there that we would consider art. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Most of uh, most of Dunkey and Call Me Carson's content, for example, <laughs> pretty much art, I would most say. Most of Bailey, Loverboy Media's content. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the... Uh, yeah, I think that's that's pr- unfortunately where I, where I have to where, where I would end up with, where I'm ending up with with our little discussion here. I think because yeah. so much that's of the universe is governed under these spectrums, these these spectrums. Everything is halfway between these this and this. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, like the the happy medium between what is it? It's shame why I love the Weekly Planet because yes. they always said best movie ever, worst movie ever as yeah, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> because of course it's always somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Ooh, okay, cool. These are nice nuanced opinions mm. we're forming here. This is cool. <laughs> I'm enjoying this discussion. Yeah. God. Well, that's... Yeah, I'm going to make a wild segue, uh, a yeah, wild sure. leap. Um, talking about structure and how mm-hmm. structure can be subverted. Um, <laughs> going all the way back to what I was talking about at Labrie, uh, where I was studying, one of the things that I appreciated was they... One of the, the key elements of their philosophy is freedom in form. Uh, it was the idea that when you have enough form and structure, it mm-hmm. actually gives you more freedom uh, yeah. rather than having no structure at all. And Absolutely. so every day we knew that we would have three hours to study and three mm-hmm. hours to work. Yeah. And I got so much more done studying and <laughs> reading in those three hours every day than yeah. I would have if I had eight hours to do that, you know, mm-hmm. that were totally unstructured. And it also created a beautiful flow of you know, the, the daily rituals, like having tea twice a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I really appreciate about England mm-hmm. is that notion of, of structure and of rituals, which give your life some sense of repetitiveness that can be good. And because you have that repetitiveness, you actually have more freedom to subvert <laughs> that or to know when things are different when you don't have tea in a day or uh, to work within those things to, to best express yourself. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know, random point, but... Uh. <laughs> no, it's a cool point. It's a cool point. I think um, one of the things I've been learning, because I am now full-time self-employed. Woo! Mm. I am a, <laughs> a professional YouTuber, as they would say. Um, don't say that on a first date. <laughs> Actually, lately I've been trying to just rip that mandate off for most people that I've <laughs> Just be like, listen, yeah. I am a YouTuber, just ripping that off right out of the way. Like, but, but it's say. not like Jake Paul. That's what you have to yeah, always yeah. say. Yeah. Because that's their conception of what a YouTuber is. That is exactly (laughs) what I say. I say I'm not Logan Paul. (laughs) Uh, But no, the the cool thing about it is that like I'm slowly learning how much I need structure and how much your life does need it. And it's slowly happening. I'm slowly developing habits, good habits. Like, for example, I'm trying to go for a walk every day in the morning. That's my first thing I do in the day, which feels incredible. And, you know, old people do that all the time. And I'm like, well, you know, it's like, whoa, wow, they're, they just go to bed early, they wake up early, and they just go for walks. That's all they do. But it's like, no, they're, they're just trying to keep a hold of their life <laughs> before it spirals yeah. out of control. Because you have implicit yeah. structure when you are young, which affords you to yes. stay up late, do all those crazy things. You don't have it anymore when you're an adult. And it's very, very important. And if you don't, yeah. you just lose yourself. Yeah, I've... <laughs> there were a lot of old people at Labrie when I was studying. And mm. I think... I used to be dismissive of old people. Now I've really come to appreciate a lot of things uh, mm-hmm. about who, people who are older, especially people there. It was just truly, yeah. really inspiring because because they were there 
they were people who were in their 60s and 70s who were still interested in asking questions and pursuing mm. truth and yep. reading and studying and mm. exploring the world, which is something you don't see from a lot of old people. And so it was no. really inspiring when you did see that. But also, yeah, I think there are a lot of things that that I used to see as rigid structures or as like, why did they do that every day? You know, mm. just like you're saying, where now I'm like, oh, I, I get how that does bring some sense of meaning to your life. And I, I understand how doing these things on a repeated basis actually uh, allows you to sort of meditate on them in, in a sense. <laughs> that is becoming an adult. That is becoming an adult, really. Yes. <laughs> we think of coming of age as, as uh, you go on a random adventure, you fall in love with a girl, and then, you know, someone mm-hmm. gets into a fist fight at a party because um, that's all coming of age films are. But really, the coming of age is a slow and arduous process, learning to accept that routine is a natural part of life and we all have to have one. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's you know, what I'm learning right now. That reminds me of another conversation point I was going to bring up. Oh, yeah, go for it. Which is last night I watched About Time again, which mm. is... <laughs> <laughs> Man! <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you're going to mute all my vaping sounds, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, good. It's um, so freaking good. I'm like, uh, every time I watch it, it's just, it just speaks to something else about my life. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And especially watching it this time, the last time I was in England, the only time I was ever in England. Well, this is the first time I've watched it since I've been to England. So that yeah. that gave it a new lens. But sure. also I fell in love in England. And oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. now it's like got even more sentimental value. And it already had tons of sentimental value because I have a really good relationship with my dad, just yep. like he does in the film. And we would mm-hmm. play ping pong together sometimes, just really? like he oh, does no. in the film with his dad. <laughs> no. And so it just freaking crushes me, that yeah, movie. Like, it's just so good. I think that's a that's a perfect film that has a very unique structure. Yes. Um, and and I think, uh, like, my theory, so I'm, I'm planning on making a video about this, but, like, my whole theory with it is um, that Richard Curtis just said... You know, I am going to just make a movie. My last movie is just going to be me portraying everything that I've learned from my life. Like, I think that's I think that's the goal <laughs> yeah. of the movie is really to just yeah. tell you some truths and have you experience some of the things that you learn while you're going through life. And I, I, I love that Richard Curtis made it. I think it's the it's a great film. I think it would be so easy to call it a mess because it seems yeah. very unfocused. Like it, yeah. the first half is romantic comedy and then the second half is really about family and Mm. fatherhood and yet it works because that's life like it's (laughs) you know life life does not have a three-act structure and life does not have a central theme all the time Mm -hmm. and i think there are a lot of movies where you know a director is like i'm just gonna depict life on screen and it'll be compelling because that's life you know, and I'm like, no, you need a little more structure than that, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But with this... You have to adopt a new kind of structure, though. You know, it's not well, a... It's Exactly. I, I think it, it synthesizes what life feels like rather yeah. than how life always is. But that's the thing that movies do best is like yeah. they're rarely reality, you know, unless mm-hmm. it's a documentary. But mm-hmm. they synthesize what reality feels like to humans who dramatize everything. <laughs> And and it's you know. quite a statement to show that that like if you had time travel powers, like the only thing you would do is try to live a better life. <laughs> it's like it's a mm. lot to say, you know. 
Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and it, it speaks to his, um, I think he shares, he must share your optimism for humanity. Yes. (laughs) If that's the people have mocked Richard Curtis's films for being so brutally optimistic and I love Mm. them for that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, interesting. It's 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 yeah. I love the I love the music of that film. Yes. I think the, ah! But like I think I think it it does it does really well with the C major key. <laughs> if you're gonna do a movie about life, you need to put it in C major. That's kind of yeah. That's kind of a a thing. And it's it's I think the uh, God. It's a very it's a very it's the kind of movie that makes you have to pause before you say something about it. <laughs> Like Batman v Superman, I suppose. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly like sense. Batman v Superman. Um, so, About Time is uh, one of those films that I would call a grounding film. So we all the kind of film that you want to rewatch over and over again because I don't know about you, but the feeling it gives me every time it ends is a full pullback view of my whole life and a real yes. opportunity to change it. And live in the moment for a little bit. That is a great way of putting it. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have several <laughs> totally films agree. that are my grounding films, and that is definitely. Please one tell of them. me. I'm trying to think of what mine would be, but. Oh, another one, Arrival. For yes. Sure. Oh. Yeah. Another one would be Arrival. Um, another one would be. I, th- I think Don John and Five Hundred Days of Summer. Um, mm. Her definitely grounding film. Before any of the before trilogy. Um, it's funny because it is those films that portray life, you know, that mm. try to intelligently yeah. portray life and have less of a structured hero's journey. <laughs> For better or worse, n- there's not going to be a Marvel movie on my list that is a grounding film. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe Winter to... Soldier for me. But yeah. Do you want to know? Do you want to know something f- hilarious? Endgame is one of my top, top grounding movies. For really? Sure. The wow. emotions that that film gives me are so immense that mm. it actually hops all the way up to a real grounding film for me. Uh, That's I, awesome. I, yeah. I adore that film more than any mm. other blockbuster movie in the ever. Yeah. It's it's mm. to me. Yeah, it's my favorite. I think I think the the emotional experience I had when watching that for the first time was so startling that it it's. That that it, it shot me into the ground and I was grounded and and it, it kind of changed my life a little bit. It yeah. <laughs> I could talk about that. No, <laughs> I love sincerity about Marvel movies. It makes yeah. me so happy. <laughs> I th- I just think yeah. okay. I just think with, when it comes to blockbusters, usually they're about spectacle and that's fine. That's cool, in fact. And in fact, like it's it's a method of communication and the fact that they exist, the fact that they're popular, doesn't mean bad things necessarily we're still we're going through a we're going through a renaissance of horror right now for example mm, yeah how can you say that film is dying because blockbuster movies are taking over everything people are still right. making yeah. incredible films so i think i've told you before the company that i work for is my dad's company mm-hmm. I've, I've been doing like social media marketing kind of stuff and graphics and all that cool. kind of thing what we do is uh it's like a team building kind of experience and also a self-awareness kind of experience. Oh, cool. Uh, where people submit their top 10 movies, their top 10 favorite movies, and then groups come. And so we've done like small groups and sports teams and mm. families and couples and just parties of people, corporate groups, lots of different yeah. companies and stuff. And people look at themselves through the lens of the movies that move them and discover how the art that moves them 
uh, actually says a lot about who they are. Mm-hmm. And often you you start to see that your favorite movies have a lot of things in common and yeah. that uh, they all tell you something key about your story. Definitely. A lot of my movies are about people feeling excluded and wanting to be part of a team. A lot Aww. of my movies are about... Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of my movies are about legacy and significance. Yeah. Yo, I, you know what mine would be? Definitely, I think I, I know a common thread of mine would definitely be time. Yes. Humanity's re- my, my relationship to time. I have a lot of that too. Yeah. Thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's why I love yeah. Hamilton so much is that Hamilton really has a lot of emphasis on why do you write like you're running out of time? And I'm like, I'm running out of time. Like, ah! Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love Endgame. Because yes. it's a movie about yeah. time and reflection. Mm. And yeah. it, 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 they have time travel in it to talk about time. Yeah. Oh, but mad. so the, the amazing thing that I've seen in doing this for so many years uh, has been the ways that all kinds of different movies can move people and change people in ways they weren't even in it, intended to, you mm-hmm. know. And so I've seen like marriages be transformed by Dumb and Dumber and Finding Nemo. Yeah, like yeah. just because people have been able to use the films that move them as an image to express how they feel and say, you know, to their wife or to their husband, this is what love looks like for me in my movie. You know, That's this is what dope. an image of love looks like. You know, That's so this dope. is what uh, support looks like. This is what expressing myself looks like. Oh, and man. I love that. Really feel seen by that, you know. Yeah. And so that's that's what's given me such a I think there's a there's a place for talking about quality of movies and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, critique. Yep. But that has been what's pushed me towards just talking about what I like and what moves me even yeah. more. Cuz when we have people here, you know, and we do mm-hmm. uh when we do groups with people, no one's talking about the quality of the film. No one's <laughs> like, "Man, you have, you know, this movie on your list, that movie sucks." You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. like, "No." That movie. I stopped moved. listening to you to you when you said yeah. that <laughs> that movie was good. And so, therefore, it has some sense of value, you know. Yeah. And um, really strong. Also, value. I think it's it's shown me that. I mean, I said it before, but that a lot of movies can can accomplish things for which they were not intended at all. You know, the artist who made Finding Nemo, the director of Finding Nemo, the writer of Finding Nemo, the writer of Dumb and Dumber probably had no intention of healing people's marriages <laughs> with their movie. <laughs> but it did, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I think I think the I, I a lot of critique is out there, you know, and and I would argue that 90% of us who are making critique are not qualified to be making critique. And it's yeah. it's just really kind of look at yourself, you know, and and be like, what is it that I want to do? There are already people doing that. Do I need to do that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or even do I need to be watching this? You know, like, have I, am I watching this to enjoy, to masochistically enjoy watching a piece of media get trounced by this guy? Maybe. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, maybe that's saying something about you. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to say it's inherently bad because it's also, it's very educational. And I, I, I'm so yes. glad that I yeah. have seen so much critique in my life, but now it's like less so. It's like, I don't know if I need this anymore. You know? I think I, uh, the critique that really disappoints me and, and angers me a little bit yeah. is um, it's the kind of stuff that I get defensive about is the stuff that in assumes an artist's intentions and also mm-hmm. that that mocks or shames them for making something in the first place. Right. right. Like yeah. you shouldn't have made this, you know, or or uh, again, back with Hamilton. You know, I think there are a lot of criticisms that I think I totally understand. Mm-hmm. But 
the amount of vitriol around some of it has a vibe of like he shouldn't have made this in the first place or mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I you know there's a sense of self-righteousness there yeah. and it reminds me of like the speech in Ratatouille where he says you know critics have the easiest job in the world we artists artists put themselves out there and create mm-hmm. things for us to just sit back and critique you know yeah. and so I always am like first of all you got to judge things based on what they were trying to achieve mm-hmm. not what you wanted them to achieve or what you wanted them to be yeah. but second of all you got to commend people for creating something in the first place mm-hmm. even if that thing is flawed or even if it's not perfect you know right. did you create something like I would argue I would argue the 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 because it's funny, because it, it, I would say more so the idea that, I mean, I haven't seen whatever Hamilton review you may be thinking of, but the yeah. for me, when I see people be like, you shouldn't have made this or, or make that, to me, it always, stru- it always I mean, maybe this is just me assuming the best people, but it always seems to me like it's <laughs> it's joke, it's a joke for content, um, but it is a mean-spirited joke. And yeah. I, so I'm not necessarily against that, but I think it if if a lot of the review or critique has to includes that as part of their talking point if like 10% of it is them just insulting them i would wonder if the reason that they are being so uh, i wonder if that's indicative of where the passion for what they're speaking is about is coming yeah. from <laughs> well and i i even think with things that are bad or things that are flawed um michelangelo said criticized by creating um, mm, you yeah. know, the notion that when you have a problem with something, you should try to do better, you know, yeah. not that you always have to be creating something to criticize. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the, you can have an opinion without having made something that's fine. And that doesn't yeah. mean your opinion is wrong. Yeah. But I, I do think in my philosophy with criticism, <laughs> if I'm even a real critic, yeah. quote, 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 you know, but my philosophy with critiquing things has usually been like, I want to create something out of this. Yeah. And use my problems with this in a way that creates a healthy uh, change or or uses it as an ed- educational tool. Like, here's what not okay. to do, even, you know. Yeah, 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 Rather than just trashing something for no particular reason, you know, mm. uh, but saying, what can we learn from this? Yeah. Or what is good about this? Like you did with the Fantastic Four video. I freaking <laughs> loved that video. Like, you know. The movie's got where, good scenes. It does. <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad for Josh Trank. You know, and I would never in my life be like, you know, screw you for trying. You know, like Mm -hmm. that that seems like most of the criticism of Fantastic Four is like you did a bad job and shouldn't have made it. You know, it's like, well, you know what? He made something like (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm 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 very much in the mindset of of I am in this industry. I am doing auditions for these people that are being talked about. Um, and frankly, to talk about it would be unprofessional. So that's not something I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. To talk about it in that manner. I mean, uh, so I'm, I'm trying to te- tro- tread a line there. Um, yeah. I th- and I think it's really hard to be a critic and an artist. Really, mm. really hard. That's true. And yeah. I would rather not take that chance because I'm much more of an artist than I am a critic. Yeah, I think I'm still figuring out that part of myself, trying yeah. to be more self-aware. What is, what is it you want to do? I'm curious. Um, I... I think my, I think something I've discovered about myself in the past few years mm-hmm. uh, has been, so when I was like 12, 13 years old, I wrote a fantasy novel and I wanted to be a writer and all this kind of stuff. Wow. And I was like, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to create stories mm-hmm. and write stories and tell stories. And I think as I've gotten older, I've realized that <laughs> as pathetic as it sounds, I don't have that many ideas <laughs> yeah. and I... Telling original stories is not something that particularly 
is my skill yep. set. I think what I am passionate about, and I, I like to think what I'm somewhat good at, <laughs> is synthesis, bringing ideas Ooh. together and articulating things in words that that make them connect with people, that, uh, right. that bridge concepts for people and help people understand things, hmm. help people see things in a new light, and help contrast things. I think I'm good at connecting seemingly disparate concepts and disparate stories and ideas mm. and and expressing the connection between those things. And if I have a dream job, I think it's not telling original stories. Um, it's not writing my own stories. Right. I think what I really want to do is make documentary films. And what I really want to do is uh, express oh. ideas and and express the truth of the world through through telling people stories and creating empathy wow. for people. Yeah. I like and that so a that's lot. why I'm slightly interested in journalism for that reason. Yeah. But I really would like to do it in a more documentary filmmaking way. Uh, sure. That, that just brings new perspective. Like we said, generates empathy. Yeah, that's sick. That sounds that sounds like the right yeah, that sounds like the right call. <laughs> you know, like I would love to see a documentary <laughs> that you make. And even with the films you're making right now, um, the like sort of quarantine uh, stuff like it has it has elements of of documentary to it which i really vibe with especially like experimental documentary it's very mm. interesting and very expressive yeah. for sure and i think the more you do that Thank the more you. you'll yeah. find things and hopefully yeah i would really love to see you do that someday that'd be sweet mm. i wish you the best in that so what is your uh like up there <laughs> you know end goal kind of thing i mean we've all got that well, i'm, I'm right? very i'm very fortunate because I, uh, I have, I came out of drama school and got the best agent I could ever ask for. Um, oh, nice. And so as a result of that, I'm doing all these auditions for crazy things. And I would love to get one of these crazy things and uh, see where that takes me. Because I'd love to be involved in filmmaking. And I think the way that I can do it best is in front of the camera as part of the storytelling process. And because I have that opportunity, yeah. I am going to go gung-ho for it. And, you know, uh, YouTube is a great job to have in the meantime while I'm doing auditions and yes, uh, especially yeah. not being the back end of something, not being the face of it, which, you know, really hinders my mm -hmm. ability to portray characters. Um, That's a good yeah, point. So yeah. I'm, I'm just working towards that right now. And, you know, the industry is kind of in flux, but... Uh, that's I am walking the path, I would say now, towards what it is I want That's to awesome. be doing, yeah. which is really gratifying. Do you see YouTube as... Um I've asked this of a few other YouTube people. Like, yeah. do you see the, do you see YouTube as just sort of a temporary fix just to sort of get out your creative juices and make some stuff that maybe would make a little bit of money and, you know, would be fun to make and enjoyable and express yourself? Or uh, do you see it as maybe that, but also like a stepping stone for a career? You know, do you, oh. do you think YouTube could eventually lead to career kind of stuff or do you see it more as a side thing? I see it as a different world. Um, because I don't think YouTube has come to a point where you can cross over. Um, I think yeah. that you can cross over from the entertainment industry into YouTube though. And I'm, and I would be very, very excited if I was in some sort of position, um, to do that, to do that. I would love to, um, really try and make some art on YouTube, um, with a pre-established audience and have that be supplementary to the work I do, you know, in the industry. That would be that would yeah. be the goal. I would love to do that more than anything. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely think like the beauty of the internet and the world right now is that you don't really have to pick and choose as far as your identity. You know, mm -hmm. like like when you're a kid, 
people ask what you want to be when you grow you grow up, and you're like a firefighter or a lawyer or mm-hmm. a police officer, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, or you know uh, whatever, like or a teacher or an astronaut. Yeah. And yet now in the landscape that we live in with the internet, the cool thing is you can be all those things. Like you can, yeah. and you can kind of create a hybrid career where like I think it's totally possible that I could be like film critic, theology writer, yeah. like. Mm-hmm. you know, journalist, whatever. And yeah. that's been really freeing for me has been realizing that maybe I don't have to choose all the time. Like it's not sure. like yeah. a, you go down this path and then that's it. And you're stuck <laughs> yeah. in that path. Um, but that lots of these things can kind of, we're be lucky to be in the information together. age. I think, I think one of the, the big things that I'm doing for that right now is my music. I'm making music and YouTube yes. is a great, great platform now to have your music out there. And I'm taking full advantage of that new song coming out soon. You better listen to it when it comes out. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, that, that's, that would be my answer. My long winded answer to that question. Good question. I like that question. No. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Well, I have to wrap up because I have a conversation with the lady, uh, coming up, but, uh, pose before it do be that way sometimes with you, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yep. You seen that meme? (laughs) You seen that meme where it says pastor it be that way sometimes congregation and sometimes that way it be <laughs> see that's a catholic joke i wouldn't get that but oh, <laughs> i was a baptist so we sometimes did that occasionally <laughs> anyways go be yeah. with your gf thanks everyone for listening i will you know i actually taught her to say it do be that way sometimes she's in the czech republic <laughs> and she says it wrong every time she says stuff like it it that way sometimes do and i'm like you almost got it <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ben China Pen. Yes. Spelled Ben China Pen at Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. Listen to Business District. It's my music music uh, music project. Do it. And uh, yeah, that, I will follow. Support him on Patreon. He's hey, got a Patreon, I got a Patreon now. now, and I'm just uploading a little commentary I did on the BBS video, which is super cool. Nice, nice. <sighs> Great. All right. Thanks. Man. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I think this will be the second of revival interviews of YouTube people. I haven't done it in like six months, but here we are. <laughs> So yeah, I really enjoyed this. (laughs) Go follow Ben. Yay. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs)